Welcome to Ennisbrook Church. We hope this message from our sex and location pastor, Jared Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at ennisbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Uh, right, so um, I mean, yeah, we, we can't really get too much better than what we've already experienced this morning. <laughs> Uh, but who believes that there's always more on God? Yeah. Come on, there's more to experience yeah. in Him today. Right. And uh, I want to share some thoughts, but then I think we should get back into worship yeah. real soon as well. Is anyone keen on that? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. Um, let me, uh, let's just jump into this. It's, it's awesome, awesome to be here with everyone. In fact, like, it is good to feel the room a little bit more full than normal. In fact, look around. This room is actually like there's something going on here, which is very, very exciting. So I just want to say a huge thank you to everyone for being with us today. It is always a privilege and an honor to gather, not just in this room, but with you. Yeah. Really is. And so welcome to church. Welcome online. Uh, it's awesome to have you here with us today. Um, it's my privilege this morning to uh, launch into a brand new theme for 2023. And uh, it's a very exciting theme and uh, revolutionary, some would say. It's uh, going uh, to change your life in many, many ways. And if, you're, if it's your first time here, I mean, that's not really funny at all because it's going to be brand new for you. If you've been here throughout 2023, you'll be very familiar with it. The brand new theme for 2023 is it's following Jesus. Following Jesus. Following Jesus. We uh, embarked at the start of 2022 on this journey of following Jesus. And, and guess what? We haven't stopped. We haven't stopped. We're not going to stop, in fact. We're going to keep on following Jesus. We are all still following Him. And uh, as a part of this theme, we've been learning and discussing uh, these spiritual practices. We've written uh, out, noted out 12 different spiritual practices that we have been through over the past, uh, I think, 12 or so months or 11 months or something like that. But um, there's actually a list. Here's the list of uh, all of the practices that we've done. And I want to say our YouTube channel right now is filled with content and resource that you should actually utilize uh, with, with different sermons, thoughts, and messages to inspire you on all of these topics from Scripture, fellowship and community, communion. We've just had that amazing servanthood and generosity, solitude and silence. A certain group of people love that one. Another group of people don't. It's fine. Worship, fasting and feasting, prayer, celebration, simplicity and Sabbath, emotional well-being, all amazing, amazing topics. And today, the 12th one that we didn't quite get to in 2022 because we ran out of time and we wanted to give it four weeks of focus as well is ministry. So today we're talking about ministry. We believe that followers of Jesus live a life of ministry. That if you believe in Jesus and you have a healthy and you have a growing relationship with God, with Him, then there must be an outward working flow of the work of God in your life. In fact, we believe that Jesus is not a secret to be kept, but He's a story to be told. That He is a story to be told. And there is a broken world out there that so desperately needs to hear that story. We are all called to ministry. If you believe in Jesus, you are called to ministry. That might be revelation for you. That might be something that just is like mind-blowing. Uh, we all have a part to play in the mission of Jesus Christ. Good. His mission, by the way, is a partnership, right? It's a co-mission. 
We have penned it and named it later on in, in Scripture as the Great Commission. That's what we've called it. Jesus didn't stand up and say in Matthew 28 that he's going to announce this Great Commission. He just stood up and he started talking. And he says to his disciples, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our ministry is to go to all nations, to make us disciples, to baptize them, and to show them the ways of following Jesus, empowered by a God who promises to be with us every single step of the way. This is more than just what we do with our time and our resources. But this is how we live our life. It's how we're meant to live right. our every day. Yeah. And today, as your pastor, I'm not interested in sharing a message with you that recruits you for a Sunday serving team. I'm not interested in sharing some thoughts with you that gets you on a hosting roster. This is much more than that. I want to draw our attention as a church and as individuals to the personal life of ministry that God has called you to. See, the reason that we have to talk about it as a spiritual practice is because there are many people, in fact, there are many believers who haven't yet made the decision to step up into the ministry that God has called them to. There are many Christians today who are not fulfilling the role of ministry that they're called to because they haven't yet just taken up responsibility of it, either because they don't think that they can do it or they believe that it's someone else's job, right. that it's for someone else. Have you ever heard of the bystander effect? If something's going on, someone's being robbed, someone's being beat up in the street, if there's a certain amount of people around, I think it's like a minimum of three that everyone for a split second will think someone else is going to help, someone else is going to get involved. Someone else is, gonna, is going to do it. The issue is that we can abdicate the responsibility that we are meant to have, thinking, I don't need to. Someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. And uh, if I was to give this message a clever title, which, by the way, I haven't, trying to steer away from that type of thing, it would be, don't leave it up to the pastors. Don't leave it up to the pastors. We can't leave ministry up to pastors. We're going to fail if that's what we try and just, if that's what we rely on, if that's what we require. Um, when Alicia and I, we first got married, um, I was 19, okay? I was a 19-year-old husband. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to get overly vulnerable because uh, we don't get too real here at Endersbrook Church. Um, it's a joke. <laughs> we do. But uh, uh, Alicia's report of me as a 19-year-old husband, it's not flash, Okay? <laughs> It uh, turns out that uh, she wasn't even sure if I was properly house trained. Um, <laughs> turns out that I was, I was a little bit um, useless. And, uh, and she, she was just telling me recently, I didn't realize this at the time, but it turns out that I never cleaned, okay? That's a bad, that's a bad start. And she's like, yeah, you never did anything around the house. You know, we, we've, we got married, we, started, we owned this 72 square meter little flat. It was one of three. There wasn't much to do in that house, really, to be honest. It was very small. But uh, uh, she, you know, used to really have to make me do the dishes. <laughs> I remember once, in fact, instead of doing the dishes, I thought it would be easier. This is so bad. Oh, this is awful. Just to throw them out. And um, <laughs> that's the level that I was uh, working with, that Alicia was working with. <laughs> and... Uh, 
I started work, I was a panel beater at the time, and I started work at, um, I think, 7.30 in the morning, and she would have to wake me up at 7.20 to get dressed. I would brush my teeth on the way to work, and she would just be at home like, I just wanted to you know, have some breakfast and maybe some quality time with my husband and, and pray for the day and all that type of thing. But I, I was just absolutely useless. I think about it now, and I'm like, man, that was like, I'm glad she married me. Obviously, it's, it's all worked out, but there's probably a point of time where it was, you know, on the edge, like this isn't going too good. It's good though that uh, I've gotten a bit older. Now I'm 30. We've been married for almost oh, 11 years in March, and um, and things have changed. Um, well, from my perspective, I definitely think things have changed, and I uh, think I've uh, picked up the slack a little bit more around the house. I don't know. You can ask her after the service if you want to. Please don't. Um, <laughs> But I decided at some point in time, and I can remember the moment where I just knew I had to start taking some responsibility, you know? Like, it's an interesting concept because it's a moment taking responsibility. Sometimes you take responsibility for the actions of your past and things that you've done wrong, but sometimes you take responsibility because you know that there are some things that are coming up in the future that if you don't get it sorted now, it's going to make it tough and awkward or awful in the future. So I remember thinking, right, it's time for me to step up right? I'm not just going to leave it up to Alicia. No, I'm not just going to live in this house. I'm going to take responsibility for my part of the family. And in my prayer today, and for the next four weeks, is that we would not be a church that just attends church, but that we would realize our ministry, that we would realize our part to play, that we would realize our responsibility that extends beyond a Sunday morning and a Sunday morning gathering, that God has called you to join in on a ministry that goes beyond the four walls. Let me, don't, don't even hear me, don't hear me diminishing the fact that we are gathering together. This is such a beautiful, powerful thing. We were made to do relationship and to come together into these moments and to edify each other in our faith and encourage each other and worship together and glorify God. And even this, right now, this is a moment of ministry for each and every single one of us, but our ministry doesn't just stop here, right? Ministry doesn't stay here. It comes with us everywhere we go. So what does ministry look like? Let me just uh, share share with you some thoughts on what ministry actually looks like. This is not just full-time ministry for a pastor in a paid role. It's full-time ministry for every believer and follower of Jesus. Paul writes this to the Corinthian church. In his second letter to them, his first letter, they weren't so happy with. They were kind of like, man, we don't, know, we don't know this guy. We don't trust this guy. Should we really believe what he says? So his second letter is like a bit of a, a backup. It's, it's kind of like a, a proving a point. He's just like, guys, as a church, you're not doing what you should be doing. We need to start transforming some lives. This is what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's ministry right there. Though, once we, we, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We have been reconciled to God. 
And now we have with us, carry with us, a ministry of reconciliation. What is this ministry? It's a ministry of reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? What is this all about? Uh, reconciliation in the dictionary means a, um, I think it's, here it is, a restoration of relationship and the action of unifying opposing ideas and beliefs. A part of this ministry role that we are to have is to bring people back into relationship. Now that might be with a person. That might be a relationship that has been separated. We may have a part to play in bringing people back together in an earthly human sense. But the relationship that really needs to be restored is that of humanity with their maker, that of humanity with their creator. Biblically, reconciliation is the end of estrangement. It's an end of an estrangement or a separation that has been caused by sin between God and humanity. See, we once were required to make sacrifices for our sins. And then God sent Jesus, the Father sent the Son, as a sacrifice once and for all for us to cover us. In fact, Jesus was the only sacrifice that could fully cover us and could fully reconcile us. Reconcile in the Hebrew, by the way, actually means complete. It means complete and also means cover. Jesus completed what the old covenant law never could. Our Christian faith does not exist without reconciliation. We all needed Jesus to save us from our mess and restore us to relationship with God. And so we now, as believers and followers of Jesus who have been reconciled to him, we carry this ministry of reconciliation. It's important to know as ministers of reconciliation, by the way, you are not the one who is able to save people. You are, we are, our, the goal of this is not that we would be a bunch of people who think that we can reconcile them ourselves, that we can spring salvation ourselves. That is not, in fact, our role. We are just required as a vessel to bridge the gap. Yeah. Vessels that carry what? The good news of Jesus. Yeah. The good news. It's good news. It is his good news. The spiritual discipline of ministry is that the believers of Jesus, those that have been reconciled, they would live as ambassadors of Christ, reconciling hearts back to God as he makes his appeal through us. Amen? Today, God is searching for people to be his ambassadors. We simply cannot afford to leave it up to others. We cannot afford to leave it up to others or just assume that someone else is going to step in and do what we are called to do. This is, this is massive. This is huge. If it always came down to the pastor, by the way, we would not be taking much ground in the kingdom of God. God doesn't require us today to complete Bible college and become a full-time paid pastor to be in ministry. If that were the case, things would be very slow. Or the, the road would be slow. We would not be gaining too much ground for the kingdom of God. Right. I mean, you just have to take one little look at what's happened in the church globally over the past 12 months and see how everything is changing. There are no celebrities. There are no one favorite, there's no one favorite person that's making a difference. No, we have had illuminated for us and highlighted that in fact, the church and the body of Christ must be not just one or two, but many people working together. That it must be a group of people who are united and who are together, who are not there just to serve each other or to serve, listen, one person, but they're there to serve the people. That's what the church is for, to serve people. Ministry is not just 
a job, but it's something that we carry to our workplaces. It's something we carry to our families, our friends and our schools, to the places and community that we are connected to and beyond, like the supermarket. Why is it always the supermarket? (laughs) The petrol station, the gym. Man, if you spend enough time in the gym, get into some crazy conversations. And I don't think it's just the steroids. (laughs) That other people are on, obviously. (laughs) The the golf course. You know, there's like a husband out there and, and and you know, your wife's like, hey, why are you spending so much time at the golf course? And you're just like, it's my ministry, you know? It's what I feel, it's what I feel called to. Ah, that's a joke. A minister of reconciliation. Okay, what does a minister of reconciliation actually do? This, this sermon is just to start. This is just to give you the heartbeat of what ministry is all about. The next three weeks are going to get really practical. But today, I want to just give you a bit of a download of the heartbeat of a minister of reconciliation. Okay, the first thing I want to note of what a minister of reconciliation does is they see people as God sees them. They see people as God sees them. Our ministry requires us to look past what the flesh sees and see what is happening in the spirit. Paul writes this, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, from a flesh point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Paul comes to this understanding when he came to faith in Christ. He once was, of course, named Saul. He once killed Christians or anyone that believed in Jesus. He was totally against this whole idea of Christianity and who Jesus was because he was under the impression and had the view of Jesus that he was just a man and that his death was rightly so because of the hearsay that he would say he is the king of the Jews. After, of course, his conversion, he becomes Paul, when he comes to know Christ as the Son of God and the substitute for human sin. Paul has his mind changed about who Jesus is. Right. And he says in this scripture that we have to have our mind changed about how we see other people around us. Jesus, in fact, he is a perfect example. He sees people for more than just face value. When others would write someone off, he would accept them, he would love them, and he would forgive them. Like the story of Zacchaeus. We all know Zacchaeus, Luke 19, verse 1. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He would steal and he would cheat people. And and Jesus says, hey, I'm going to come stay at your house tonight, Zacchaeus. I'm going to come have a meal at your house tonight. Zacchaeus, this tax collector, I mean, no one liked the guy. Everyone knew what he was about and who he was. Everyone knew him for all of the things that he had done wrong. And guess who arrives to have a meal with him and to restore his life. No one but Jesus. Jesus. And so Jesus turns up in the city and he's walking through with a whole group of people and he sees this little man. The Bible says he's a short man, so he has to climb a tree so that he can see Jesus. And when Jesus gets to the area where the tree is, it says that he stops where Zacchaeus is and says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I am going to stay at your house today. I'm going to stay. I find it so interesting that Jesus would stop where Zacchaeus was, that, that Jesus would make his way to where Zacchaeus was. That Zacchaeus, this guy, he didn't have to like try and fight his way to Jesus, but that actually Jesus would come to the place and meet Zacchaeus where he was at, that he would stop where he was at, that Jesus would then make the effort to say, Zacchaeus, come down to me. I mean, we have to understand today that our ministry of reconciliation, and even for us, 
We don't have to try and fight and climb our way to Jesus. It isn't about trying to climb up some pedestal and work our way up to where he is. You can climb all the trees that you want to, but ultimately you'll find Jesus at the bottom of that tree, right where you are, right where you're standing. So the key is... I'm coming to your house. And everyone flips out. They're like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. Do they even, does he even know? Does he know who Zacchaeus is? He's a sinner. He's a, he doesn't belong at his house. Zacchaeus is a sinner. Jesus has this amazing statement in the end of the scripture, in the end of the story. He says, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. The people see Zacchaeus just in the flesh, but Jesus sees a soul that needs saving. Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. Have you thought about this? Jesus knows what Zacchaeus has done. Have you thought about this? Jesus knows the mess that he was in and the mistakes and the sin that he had been in in his life, but he still loves him. He sees him in a different light. He still says that this is the one that I've come to save because this is the lost one. He's not there for the found. He's not there to heal those that are already healed. It's, what does he say? It's not the, the healed that need a doctor. It's the sick. That's the ones that he's come for. It's in another story, very similar situation. He's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners in the same way. But he still loves him. He still sees him in a different light. And there might be someone in your world that you've written off or you've even potentially cut off, decided that they're not worth your time. Can I just encourage you? They are definitely still worth Jesus' time. Yeah. They are definitely still worth Jesus' time. They are the ones, in fact, that Jesus died for on the cross. He didn't come for perfect people. He came for broken people. He came for the ones that maybe the world establishment society would say have no part to play and have no place and do not belong. Jesus went into all the dirty places. He didn't go to the clean places to find people. He went to all the broken places. So let's not see people for their worldly worth, right? Whether they're good or bad whether they look a certain way, whether they dress a certain way, whether they sound a certain way, whether they have some sort of monetary value. Let's see them for their worth in the kingdom of God because their true value, I don't know if you know this, is Jesus Christ. They were worth so much to God that he would give his son, he would give up Jesus to cover for their mistakes, for their issues, for all of our things that we face. Our true value, everyone's true value was included in this, is Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. See people as God sees them. The second thing is a minister of reconciliation is aware of the opportunities. They are aware of the opportunities. Have you ever had that prompting? Have you ever had that that feeling to pray for someone? A lot of people nodding their heads. Have you ever had that that feeling just to, to say something, to encourage someone? Have you ever had that thought that you just need to tell that person? If only... If, you, if only that person knew about Jesus. Man, you know, made so many people say this to me. I know this couple. Oh, man, Jared, they're incredible people. They would make great Christians. Have <laughs> you ever heard that or said that? They would make great. I'm like, well, well we should do something about that. <laughs> well, maybe we should do something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, we should do something ab- about, about it. Have you ever acted on the thought, though? You know, when the thought comes that, oh, man, I should pray for that person. Have you acted on it? Maybe you have. I've got to be honest. I think I've walked away from that thought way too many times and missed an opportunity. Walked away and missed an opportunity that could have been potentially life-changing. I don't know. I think that there are, in 
the ministry of reconciliation. There are microwave moments of ministry and there are slow cooker moments of ministry. Okay? Just come with me on this. let Let me explain. Some of our ministry moments require an instant response. Other times, it's about building a long-term relationship, okay? You might have to share your testimony in 90 seconds, or you might have to pray for someone quickly as you go, or you maybe, on the other hand, have a neighbor that you've been living beside for 10, 20, 30 years that you've been connecting with, and every day, God has given you an opportunity to minister to them. I believe that both are God-gifted opportunities. Last year, I, um, I received a message from someone. Um, a guy sent me a message on Instagram, and he just said, hey, could you pray for me? And uh, like, kind of said a little bit about what he was going through. I said, yeah, absolutely. Then he messaged back a couple of days later. He said, actually, can I meet with you? And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. We, we uh, set up a, a time to meet and, and do coffee, and uh, we met at, um, at Picks. It's a spiritual place. And, uh, and we just started talking, okay, me and this guy. And, and I, I, I kind of knew this guy because, you know, Nelson's a small-ish place, so you kind of know people through people. But we were just talking and, and started off, and it was just, you know, the usual small talk. He's trying to find out who I am, like talking about family, talking about what we do. And I was asking him similar questions and all this type of thing. We ended up talking for maybe like an hour and a half. At one point in the conversation, though, I had to ask him the question, hey, so that stuff that you need to pray for, how are you going with it? And we started talking and we started discussing this battle that he's been having with anxiety and with depression and with some of the just some of the, the negative thought life that actually so many people go through today. We were discussing it and I discovered he's definitely you know, facing some stuff. And so as a response to hearing about what he's coming up against, I just decided, well, I'm, I'm going to start telling him about the source of life that I found and a bit of peace that I've discovered through relationship with Jesus Christ. And I start sharing and I kind of find myself in this mode where it almost feels like a little bit of like verbal diarrhea, like I just can't stop telling him about Jesus, and it's just like this constant tap that's just been opened, right? I finally get a chance to take a breath, and so I stop talking, and I give him a chance to speak, and the first thing that he says is, well, I want that. I want that. So I say, and in this moment, I really do remember the Holy Spirit, God just giving me this really strong prompt, like, Jared, if you stuff this one up, (laughs) you know, you're fired or something. And so I just tell him, you can have it. You can have it. And there at the cafe, over a coffee in the middle of the room, he prays a sinner's prayer, starts a relationship with Jesus, and has his life transformed and and changed. And is still, by the way, being transformed and changed and made into who Jesus really wants him to be. Not every opportunity leads to a salvation prayer moment, but every opportunity is the planting of a seed. Even that conversation is the planting of the seed. And the scriptures tell us that God waters seeds and makes things grow. Even the smallest encouragement or smile to a workmate is a seed enough for God to use. And maybe you could think of someone right now, okay? Someone that is more of a long-term, it's a slow cooker. It's not just like a, hey, DM message, I need you to pray for me. That's like microwave. Like we're instant, we're all go, we're into it. Like you need Jesus, yes I do. Okay, let's pray a prayer. But for some of us, this neighbor is across the road and, and you've just been in connection and it's just been, you know, you, you've been, I don't know, making them cups of tea or coffee 
or hanging out with them, or just looking after their kids, or all these different things. But I just really feel like we cannot value one story or the other higher. But the neighbor is as special as the person in the supermarket on the street. If we can continue and commit to reaching out across that fence, across that road, keep making a cup of tea. Can I encourage you? Keep praying for them. Keep the slow cooker going. Don't stop. Because we have so many opportunities. We just have to be aware of them. We have to be able to open our eyes to them and see them. And can I just say, next time you feel the Holy Spirit prompt you to pray for someone, just please do it. Just do it. And just just see what might happen. And what do we have to lose? We have everything to gain. In fact, the people that we feel like we need to pray for are the ones who have everything to gain. Because what they have to gain is Jesus and eternity in heaven. Annisbrook Church has opportunities. This year in 2023, the band can come and join us. We have opportunities. In 2023, God is wanting to use us as a ministry. And I feel it on my heart, and we've been talking about it a little bit over the past couple of weeks as a team, but our ministry is not running services and events. Our ministry as a church is not focused on numbers and stats. Our ministry as a church is not about trying to be celebrities and trying to make a name for ourselves. The goal is not to grow a church that becomes famous at some point in time. But the church, this church, does not operate. It does not operate by using people. We don't operate by getting people to serve the church, but the church serves the people. We steward well what God has given us. We see the lives changed. We see lives restored and in relationship with Jesus. We see lost sons and daughters coming home. We see outcasts being included and welcomed into the kingdom of God. We see healings and miracles by the laying on of hands. The ministry of Annisbrook Church has been for many years and will be for many more years to come, leading all people to life in Christ, one person at a time, one opportunity at a time, one person at a time one opportunity at a time. You might feel like there's a huge mission. Like, oh man, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. This whole thing of like changing the world is so overwhelming. But what if you just started with one world? What if you just started with one person? What if it was just the next opportunity that came across your path that you felt laid on your heart? What if that was just, if that was it? It's just one starting place. Today, if each and every one of us had one person at a time, imagine the impact that we could make together. This is a couple of hundred people in the room. That's a couple of hundred people reached. And then imagine if they go and do the same thing. And there's more people. And then there's more people. And all of a sudden we have this exponential. It's not about growth. It's not about seeing people in church on a Sunday. It's about seeing people in heaven when we get to eternity. When I get to eternity and when I'm in line and I'm I'm on my way through those gates, I want to look behind me and I want to see a whole heap of faces that I know, people that I met, people that I was in relationship with, those microwave type moments, but also the slow cooker moments, the ones that I was talking to for a long time. And because of potentially a conversation I had, or a prayer that I made or just the chance that I had to go across the fence I might see them in eternity with me it's just opportunity after opportunity and we have to be able to see it the third thing and the last thing and we'll finish with this and then pray is those that are ministers of reconciliation they carry an anointing there's an anointing it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of slavery it is the anointing that empowers us for the ministry ministry that we're called to. Luke 4 verse 18. 
Jesus speaking, says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery for the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is for the moment when we feel like we don't have the ability for the ministry, when we don't know what to say or what to do, or maybe we feel like we're lacking in confidence. Remember the anointing. Remember your anointing, the inward dwelling Spirit of God that is at work in your life. Matthew 3, we read this amazing moment where Jesus is baptised. It's a powerful moment that was prophesied about. It says this in Matthew 3 verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptised and He went up out of the water, that moment heaven opened and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. I just love this moment. Before Jesus had started His ministry, this is just before He is about to step into it. In fact, straight after this baptism, He gets out into the wilderness and He fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights. And, this, and the enemy, Satan, appears to tempt Him. And I, I, I cannot tell you the testimony of how many times someone is baptized in church and then the next couple of weeks are the biggest spiritual battle that the enemy tries whatever he can to pull them down and pull them out. But this guy, Jesus, he, He's baptized. He goes out. And then he starts his ministry. But there's this moment in the baptism where heaven opens and this anointing comes down and the Spirit of God, like a dove, it says, uh, starts to alight on him, alighting on him. This anointing for the work of the ministry that he was called to. He said that he had been anointed to what? Proclaim the good news, to bring freedom and to open eyes. And God picked a dove to anoint him with it. The Spirit of God descends from heaven, alighting on Him. The word alighting means to settle. The Spirit settled on Him. I'm not saying today that Jesus was one of those guys who walked around with a dove or a bird on His shoulder, settled on His shoulder like some sort of pirate. What I am saying is that there's nowhere in the Word of God that says that the Spirit left Him, that He was on His own, that He was left to do this journey by Himself. You carry within you the secret of the kingdom of heaven in your heart. We just need to learn to tap into it and to keep tapping into it. As the Spirit settled on Jesus, so has the Spirit of God settled on you and in you today. Let's tap into that anointing. Keep praying the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The goal is just to bring heaven down to earth right now. And right now, even in this moment, heaven is meeting us on earth. It's it's this little glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. And oh, it just feels anointed. And oh, when you get to the moment, it's the end of the worship and Pastor Brent's leading us through this amazing ministry time. You just have to stand and say, there is a power and an anointing in this place. We need to continue to tap into that exact anointing. It is not about just what happens in this room, but it happens in our bedrooms. It happens in our lounges. It happens in our cars on the way to work. Ambassadors of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, those that were sent to seek and save the lost, they know they're not alone, but that the Spirit of God goes with them, that the Spirit of God has settled with them. So as ministers of reconciliation, we are to see people as God sees them, to become aware of the opportunities and be confident in the anointing that God has given us. Confident in that anointing. 
And to finish today, I want to pray and we're going to worship very soon. But I want to pray for, I want to pray for confidence today. I want to pray that we would go in confidence, that as we continue to discuss what ministry looks like and we get more into detail of what it actually really does uh, look like in our lives, that we would just start from a place of confidence, of knowing that we can do this. You can do this. You don't have to second guess. You don't have to worry about what to say. You don't have to worry about what to do. Just trust the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life. Just trust that the Spirit has settled with you, that He will not leave you nor forsake you, but that He has your side and He's on your side. He's got your back. It's time for some of us in the room just to take a step of faith. It's time for us to take a step of faith. Be the one that will cross the fence. Be the one who will ask the question, hey, do you know Jesus? Hey, can I pray for you? Be the one. Don't leave it up to anybody else. The prayer that we should pray is for revival that a revival would start within us first and then would go and impact the world around us. Amen. This is amazing prayer. We sung it before. And uh, just with every eye closed, with every hip bowed, I want to pray. And maybe that you're here today and you're like, you know what? That's me. I'm stepping into ministry. I'm going full time. I'm going all in. I'm just throwing it. I'm throwing it all in as a full sin for the ministry and the life of ministry that God has called us to. This is the prayer that we should pray. Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit. Heaven break out. Come now in power. Cover this land. Like you've done it before. Would you do it again? Jesus, thank you that you have reconciled us to the Father that you have come to set us free so that we can be free indeed. Right now, we accept the call. We accept your call to step into ministry, to step up. We declare in this morning, it is not up to the person to the left or to the right of us, but in fact, it's for each and every one of us. God, we pray that you would set a fire down in our soul. Make us alive again. Revive in us whatever needs to be revived and brought back to life, Lord, to do a, to do a great work for the kingdom of God. Lord, let this not be something where we step out and kind of, I don't know, we're a little bit timid, a little bit timid or a little bit afraid or a little bit held back. But I pray, Lord, let the restrictions off in the name of Jesus. When we feel the prompting, Lord, let us follow it. Let us be ones that are confident to step into it, that we would be bold and we would be courageous in it that we would know what it is, Lord, to reach out into the lives around us, to know that if it isn't us, then who's it gonna be? If it's not me, then who's it gonna be? If it's not now, then when is it going to happen? Lord, we pray, send revival into our hearts, send revival into our land, change lives, rearrange lives, use us, work in us. Oh God, would you work through us? Lord, would you work through us? Come on, why don't we stand to our feet this morning? We're gonna sing together, we're gonna worship this We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.